Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you today, as always, from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. This is the world headquarters of the Philadelphia Church of God. And this radio station is KPCG. You can hear it live online and listen to all the program archives of all of our different shows at kpcg.fm. You can also listen here in the Edmond, Oklahoma area at 101.3 on the FM dial. Well, we're coming off another electric performance of Celtic Throne here at Armstrong Auditorium yesterday. There's now been three performances in the most recent Celtic Throne tour. And I would definitely encourage you to, if, if you're at all able, try to attend one of these shows in person. Last week I had to watch the show online, the, the Edmonds show last Sunday, because my son was sick. And as great as that was, seeing it online, really that does not do the show justice. We got to watch in person yesterday, and it really is just a dazzling display. You can find all the details of the upcoming shows at CelticThrone.com. Well, over the weekend as well, Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Fleury talked a little bit about his experience with Mr. Armstrong. As I said, we're broadcasting from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus. This campus is named after the late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong, a man who really served as a spiritual father to so many people. God spoke through him for over 50 years. He was the most prominent televangelist, you could call him, of the entire 20th century. His Plain Truth magazine had over 8 million subscribers. He met with dozens and dozens of world leaders. His World Tomorrow broadcast was on over 400 TV stations. He really did reach around the world with the true gospel message, the message of the good news of the coming kingdom of God. Just as Matthew 24 verse 14 said a man in this end time would do. It is clear by the fruits that Mr. Armstrong fulfilled that verse. Anyway, Mr. Flurry over the weekend was talking a bit about Mr. Armstrong and how when he heard Mr. Armstrong on that World Tomorrow broadcast, it changed his life. That is the type of impact that God's truth can have 
on our minds, on so many people who maybe haven't even heard this truth yet. But what if they come across it on the radio, on television, if they're in a waiting room somewhere and they see the Philadelphia Trumpet News Magazine? What kind of an impact do you think it will have on them? Now, not everyone who stumbles across this message is going to take the time to listen or read. But what about those who are searching for answers? What about those who are looking for a way out? The message is available. Now, Mr. Armstrong was also a fulfillment of this verse, Zechariah 4, verse 6. This is the word of the Eternal unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Eternal of hosts. Now, going all the way back to the 1930s, it is evident that Mr. Armstrong did a powerful work by God's Spirit. It was not of his own design. He did not seek glory in the arena of religion. Yet, God did an astounding, miraculous work through him from the 1930s all the way through the 1980s until he died in 1986. In chapter 31 of his autobiography, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com, Mr. Armstrong wrote, Surely nothing could have started smaller. Born in adversity, in the very depths of the Depression, this work of God was destined to grow to worldwide power. But I did not realize its destiny then. There were no illusions of grandeur. It was not through any planning of mine that the little three-point campaign then being launched was to expand into its present global scope and influence. That three-point campaign is so fascinating to think about because to this day, the Philadelphia Church of God follows this blueprint. This is a three-point way of reaching the hearts and minds of as many people in the world as possible, specifically those God is working with right now. The first step, as Mr. Armstrong explains here in chapter 31, was the radio broadcast. Mr. Armstrong started out on a small radio station, KORE, in Oregon, basically just reached through the Willamette Valley and he did so well he he got so much response from listeners that very soon he was offered a full half hour of broadcast time on that station every Sunday morning for that 30 minute broadcast each Sunday morning he started out with basically a condensed church service. Now, he realized that wasn't the best approach. It, it had 
if you're familiar with the way the PCG does services today, his radio broadcast had special music. It, it had a couple of short messages. It had it had basically a very similar organization as a church service that you could attend in person. He realized, though, this was not the way to reach the largest audience possible. He said here in chapter 31, we were to learn later that an abbreviated church service appeals only to a very few church-going people who may want to listen in on a church service or to attend church without leaving their homes. It attracts only what is called the religious audience. Through the years, the program changed until it became a program pointed toward the non-church-going public, people who are not religious and may never attend church. Now, why would a church or a religious broadcast be aimed at non-religious people? Isn't that a fascinating approach? Why did Mr. Armstrong do it that way? Why does Mr. Flurry today repeatedly emphasize to KPCG radio hosts the importance of focusing on reaching people out in the world and not members of the PCG? What's that all about? Well, that does give you an inside look, a glimpse of the real purpose of God's work. It's not about accumulating a large membership. It's about delivering God's truth to everyone who is willing to listen. Making it available to as many people, to the largest audience possible. And then God can work with that. He can go from there, find those with an open mind who want to learn, who want to grow, who want to change. And he can start working through them and trying to call them into membership. But the reality is the vast majority of people who hear this message are not meant to be members right now necessarily. This message goes out as a warning and as hope to all mankind. So the main focus of this radio station, KPCG, following in the tradition that Mr. Armstrong established with his radio broadcast is the world reaching the world. Mr. Armstrong's first half hour Sunday morning broadcast was the first Sunday in 1934. That was the first point in his three point campaign for reaching as many people as he could and starting them on this process, this life-changing process that Mr. Flurry talked about over the weekend. Again, not everyone is going to hear this and change their lives from it, but some will. And even in the near future, a lot more people will. That's what makes all of this worthwhile. 
So this radio broadcast, which later became known as the World Tomorrow broadcast, started right away in 1934. But Mr. Armstrong knew that it couldn't just stop at that. He had to have a follow-up. So the medium of the radio or TV as we have now and as Mr. Armstrong would later have is a way to reach into people's homes where if they might just happen to be surfing channels or flipping through the radio dial, they could end up coming across our programs, specifically today, the Kia David television program. But the PCG does not deliver written materials to people who do not request it. We don't go door to door and, you know, toss out magazines at their doorstep like like a paper boy would. We do wait until people express interest. And what better way than for them to come across the Key of David, watch that 26 minutes of just life-changing content from Mr. Flurry, and then have an interest sparked. Then they can call the number. Then they can visit the websites and, and go from there. They can request written materials. So for Mr. Armstrong, the second point of his three-point campaign, the follow-up to his radio broadcast was the Plain Truth News Magazine. As I mentioned earlier, it got to the point where it was over 8 million subscribers. But the first copy on February 1st, 1934, only had... 250 issues so the first the first issue i mean only had 250 copies printed it was a very small humble beginning zechariah 4 also talks about about that talks about the power of the holy spirit how mr armstrong used that power to do god's work but it also talks about small beginnings do not despise the day of small things. And it's pretty interesting here in chapter 31 of the autobiography, Mr. Armstrong talks about all of the, um, basically the hard work, having to, having to sketch it out and, and lay the type by hand and, and cut it by hand. A lot of work to do by one man with an ancient little machine <laughs> to try to get get those 250 issues printed. Chapter 32 gets into the third point of this three-point campaign. So today we have the Key of David program. We also have this radio station primarily uh, the Trumpet Daily with Mr. Stephen Flurry. There's also the Trumpet Hour with Mr. Joel Hilliker. And then there's another 10 or so programs. Again, you can listen to any of them at kpcg.fm. But these programs are available locally here in Edmond, Oklahoma. 
They can be accessed online. That's something that Mr. Armstrong never had access to. The internet, the power of the internet to, to vastly increase, increase the reach of the program. But anyone who hears the Trumpet Daily or the Key of David or any of these other shows could then request the Philadelphia Trumpet News Magazine, the Royal Vision Christian Living Magazine, the True Education Youth Magazine, Watch Jerusalem, a publication focused on Bible prophecy and and events regarding Jerusalem and the Middle East. There's a lot of websites, the trumpet.com, watchjerusalem.co.il, pcg.church. People can get interested in that. And there's an entire vast literature library at the trumpet.com, and it's all free. That's really the second step. The, ste- the second step today with the, with the reach of the internet, it's not just a publication, it's all of the reach made available over the internet as well. But the third point were evangelistic campaigns. Mr. Armstrong got out into the public and gave lectures to anyone who wanted to show up. He had been doing this in 1933 for several days a week, mainly with other ministers Now, remember, at this time in God's church, they were in the Sardis era, the fifth era, which Revelation 2 describes as being dead. So there wasn't really a church with any great works being produced, with much of a work being done at all. Mr. Armstrong had a loose affiliation with a church in Stanbury, Missouri, that also had a branch in Oregon. Later, there was a headquarters established in West Virginia. But these people, some of these other ministers, were jealous of Mr. Armstrong because he was the only one at these evangelistic campaigns who actually could reach people and make an impact on people, who actually could convince people to maybe start attending more lectures, maybe maybe start seeking baptism. He actually was able to stir people to action. Meanwhile, these other ministers who really were not obeying God as they should have been, who really didn't stick to the doctrines as they are laid out in the Bible, were not getting results. And so they attacked him. Mr. Armstrong stopped taking his salary from that church. He refused to go along with their false teaching about the the method of baptism, which contradicted the way that the Bible says it should be done. He refused to teach what they taught about clean and unclean meats, where Essentially, they talked about how eating certain meats was a spiritual sin. Mr. Armstrong taught new converts. He taught the public that eating certain foods is just a violation of God's health laws. It's not a spiritual sin. It's a physical sin. It's a completely different category. 
And that's why Mr. Armstrong didn't get into a subject like clean and unclean meats with someone he just started talking to. That wouldn't be a very appealing first impression, would it? Now, yes, is it wise to maybe cut out certain foods that do cause sickness that have been proven to be more detrimental to our bodies, our bodies which are supposed to be the temple of God's Holy Spirit? Yes, but it's not a core spiritual issue like this Sardis-era church was trying to make it. Mr. Armstrong refused to conform with unbiblical teachings and methods. So he was loosely affiliated with the church, but at the same time, the members wanted to be led by him. They wanted to be taught by him. They had been in a church for long enough where nothing was happening, where nothing was being produced. And they saw that God was using him very differently. They wanted him to be their pastor. So he actually was teaching three times a week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday in this schoolhouse 12 miles west of Eugene, Oregon. Uh, A lot of people were coming along and seeking baptism, seeking conversion so that they could receive the very same power of the Holy Spirit that was really invigorating Mr. Armstrong's work and his efforts. But then for these evangelistic campaigns... He had, mess- he had lectures on Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. So Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, he was having lectures with mostly people who were already attending or affiliated with the church in some way, and the public as well. But then these new evangelistic campaigns in response to the, the radio broadcast, in response to... The Plain Truth magazine were on Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. In short, he was speaking Tuesday through Sunday every week. Imagine that. And then later on, for those who were inspired to take action, he also started having Saturday afternoon church services at his home. That was in addition to the Saturday morning public lectures. So a busy doubleheader Sabbath for Mr. Armstrong. Essentially speaking, if you consider that doubleheader on the Sabbath, seven times a week. Now just think about how much effort that would take to be able to speak fluently in the language of the Bible, to be able to clearly describe what the Bible says about virtually every issue and to be able to do it seven times a week. Mr. Armstrong realized because he was only doing these evangelistic campaigns Sunday, uh, Wednesday, or yeah, Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday, he realized that it would have been better if he did those six times a week. But again, he was, he was doing Tuesday, Thursday, and Sabbath morning at Gene's schoolhouse, and then Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday in Eugene, Oregon. 
So two different locations, but still six days a week he's having these meetings. He said here, later we were to learn that the same is true in broadcasting. A once a week broadcast or even three times a week does not produce results comparable to daily broadcasting six or seven times a week. So that is one of the huge improvements made in God's work with this radio station, KPCG. It is on seven days a week. There are new programs six days a week, particularly with the Trumpet Daily, Monday through Friday, five new episodes of those every single week. And that is a way to build stronger and stronger audience interest. I just love the way that Mr. Armstrong thought so much about the very best way he could impact the largest possible group of people. This three-point campaign, starting with radio, then going into a magazine, and then into public appearance campaigns. And it did get fruits. He did this for five and a half months straight, six days a week of preaching, including three days of those public campaigns in Eugene. And from that, about 10 or 15 people became followers of Christ, true Christians, receiving the Holy Spirit, taking action on what they heard Mr. Armstrong talking about. Now, it is very, very interesting. These two chapters of the autobiography, again, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com, chapters 31 and 32, have perhaps the most blunt language that I've ever <laughs> read from Mr. Armstrong, and that's saying a lot. He he was calling people weaklings. He was saying people needed to repent of their heathenism. These were things that he was saying <laughs> in front of other people. He was very blunt because some people are, were just harder for him to work with, and they needed to hear the blunt truth. There were people who attended Pentecostal services nearby. And yet every time they needed healing, they'd go to him. These were people who looked down on Mr. Armstrong. They thought they were spiritually superior to Mr. Armstrong. But when they wanted results, they turned to Mr. Armstrong. They could tell by the fruits that God was only working through that man. Quite a powerful example. He did confront some of these people for their hypocrisy, for their lawlessness. He quoted to them 1 John 3, verse 22, where God says, when we ask him for something in prayer, he gives it to us because we keep his commandments. Does that sound like the law is done away? That's in 1 John 3, verse 22. That was written decades after Christ was gone. He didn't do away with the law. There the Apostle John is still talking about the importance of law-keeping. That doesn't mean we earn salvation through law-keeping, but it does show God still expects us to, re to respect the law and obey the law. So he'd confront the Pentecostals on this. 
there was a couple who tried to uh, basically have more of an interaction with the church, and they had a lot of personal problems to work out. Uh, The man kept getting arrested. The woman kept on bouncing between different men, and she kept on following this man, even though he kept up, kept winding up in jail. Mr. Armstrong repeatedly called them weaklings, but he tried to help them. It's just that they didn't really have the strength to keep going the right way. Now, God does understand when we have weaknesses, areas where we do fall short. Mr. Armstrong had so much compassion for that couple, but he did tell them. He was blunt with them about where they needed to change. I'm really just scratching the surface here in this show. I'd highly recommend you could take the time to read chapters 31 and 32 of the autobiography. Uh, It gave me quite a chuckle, just some of the language that he used here. But that's the kind of power and confidence that you can speak with when you know that God is on your side, when you know that you are speaking the truth, when you know that you're just trying to help people. You'll be given wisdom in how to approach different situations. You don't just want to be a hammer all the time. But there are times where that is the best approach, and Mr. Armstrong knew that. Really, this this whole book, this autobiography, just overflows with practical examples, with lessons that can apply to our lives every single day. It really is just an inspiring read, something that really will change your life. Mr. Flurry this past weekend talked about how Mr. Armstrong showed that you can live the abundant life now. You can start today. Mr. Armstrong had to be knocked down and humbled over many years. But once he committed to God, it was ironclad for life. He made that decision every day. He lived the abundant life every single day. That's how God was able to use him in this three-point campaign of radio, writing, and public appearances. That's how God was able to use him for over half a century, doing the most powerful work the church of God has ever done in almost 2,000 years. What an example for all of us, just doing it all in faith, through the power of God's Holy Spirit, and it always produced fruit. It always got results. It always impacted people and changed their lives because it's God's truth. There's nothing like it. It tells us how to be happy, how to have peace, how to have prosperity, how to improve our relationships with God and people, all people, even our enemies. There's nothing like that truth, and there's really nothing like the approach that Mr. Armstrong took to delivering that truth. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. 
Listen for a new episode each Monday at 1130 a.m. Central Time 